0: So hi everyone, this is Leadership of Fools, this is a, another COVID-19 version virtual remote um, and I have on the line the wonderful Steph Clark. Hello Steph, how are you?
1: I, I'm good, thanks, how are you?
0: Good, good. Now you've just already told me you've been up since 6 and it's now 10, so tell me mm. about your. Tell me quickly about your four hours, how do you fill in your four hours from 6am to 10am?
1: They've been good, they've been pretty productive. I'm just saying to say beforehand, I've been starting or trying out a new work kind of schedule routine, daily, weekly setup after various. Conversations and reflections over the last few weeks of you know lockdown, and thinking about how do I actually work smarter. And it's something I've kind of been you know think about a lot. Um, So deciding to kind of start my day a bit earlier at um, sort of starting work normally somewhere between five thirty and six, and just enjoying the quiet and the darkness and the the sort of stillness of the morning or the early morning to get to get things done. And particularly, particularly focusing on kind of output at that point. So writing stuff creating things, filming stuff, editing things that needs that that lack of interruption because, funny enough, you're not getting many emails at, at 5.30 in the morning.
0: No, that's absolutely true. And um, I, you and I, I, we've never had a proper conversation at all, but right. you are somebody, and uh, I might be proven incorrect today, but you're someone who I get a strong sense of who you are by the way you represent yourself in... Uh, oh, well, in the world, in, in terms of the content you produce. Like, I think it's fabulous. Thank you. Um, That's
1: very kind. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So um, so here's what my sense is, and I'm, mm. um, my sense is you are...
1: It's a sweat.
0: sweat. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. It's all good. I'm not going to get nowhere near deep and psychological around this. It's, um, I just think you are someone who um, takes the... Uh, the myriad of content that is out there um, and you try to do your best to demystify it, simplify it, make it really accessible to people. That's Mm -hmm. one thing I'm I'm sort of sensing from you. Uh, The other thing is kind of what you just alluded to, that you're someone who's prepared to try and practice what you preach. Mm -hmm. um, Yep. Try to, at the very least, experiment and form new habits and test things out Um, and I just sense you've got a really generous along with your colleagues a generous spirit to kind of offer as much as you can out there am I is there any sense in any of those comments
1: yeah, no, thank you. That's all very generous and definitely along the lines of the things that I not just like doing but would like to be known for doing as well. Obviously, you miss the stuff around me being obviously hilarious and, and all the rest. But, um, uh, yes, that's, yeah, Well, that was that's actually, a given, that's a given. Yeah, that was yeah. point four. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, okay, okay. Um, yeah, and I think that, that piece on practising what you preach is something I've been thinking about a lot, particularly, you know, sort of studying some different habits and thinking about things in a different way. And, and something I've always tried to practise is do what you, you know, do what you say you you're going to do and all of those kind of things but actually yeah one of the things I think is or one of the many things I think is wrong with work and the way that we currently work I absolutely by you know I take part in so I was just like what am I doing like, I kind of I rant and rave about some of this stuff and help teams overcome some of these things yeah I'm absolutely complicit in building those same systems and, and, and reinforcing them myself in the way that I work, in the way that I work sometimes with others, at the way I schedule my day or set my day up and all of those kind of things. And it's going, if I really am going to be true to myself and true to the work I do mm-hmm. with challenging some of this stuff, I have to be better.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's... yet yeah, I'm going to just emphasise that's not easy because... Mm. Like uh, when we use the word culture, a culture mm. prevails and a culture can hold tight. So a corporate working culture uh, is, is really, really mm-hmm. well established.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I know one of the things we're going to talk about uh, is your your blue paper and the, the types of predictions you're making and the flexibility part. And the thing that struck me, sorry, the working flexibly, which mm. uh, ple- let's plead... Um, let's absolutely plead that that becomes mm. uh, that we do not waste this opportunity and yet I can't help but think there'll be a lot of organizations that will just try and replicate the old habits okay. in, a, in a virtual way yep. so the expectations uh, it's a nine till five working day it's you have to be on every meeting you mm-hmm. uh, all of, all of those rituals um, will just be replicated in a virtual environment
1: yep. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because I was was going back over the notes for the book. It doesn't have to be crazy at work, by the founders of Basecamp, which is probably one of my favourite books on rethinking work, Uh, and I'm a big fan of it. But the, the the thing that's in there, and they kind of don't expressly put this out, but. It, what it makes you realise or you know, what it makes you remember is that all of these things are constructed by humans and therefore can be deconstructed, reconstructed, reimagined because we made it up. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so it's not, it up. It's, not a, it's not a law of nature. It's not a first principle. We, we can change it. It's not We're not defying gravity here.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm you know, a bit gobsmacked. I think you're absolutely right. And sometimes we just literally don't realise... Uh, the still the level of power and control we have mm. over this. And, and maybe this is one of the things that's playing out for a lot of people right now, this sense of, well, I actually can control my day. Mm. Um, the choices I make with where I spend my time, the, the lack of noise, and you talked about that waking mm. Mm. You don't have to wake up at 6am to still feel a sense of stillness.
1: No, 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 no not at all.
0: Uh, and I think some people are really thriving in that and uh, others are like, whoa, this is so foreign. <laughs> this yeah. is really, really foreign. So yeah. this came about, uh, this conversation came about because you uh, sent out, which made me smile at the time because you sent out a blue paper um, and I remember mm-hmm. asking you generally the question, What's, what is a blue paper? Yeah. Is it different? And um, tell me what you said to me on, on that one. It's, the blue paper comes I from... I said,
1: well, the blue paper is, it's because it's not a white paper, we decided we were going to do a white paper, and we are like, that's a bit boring, isn't it, because white is a bit dull. So <laughs> we just thought, well, blue's are, blues our are company colours. Like, we'll call it a blue paper, and it stands out, and it's, it's a bit different. And I think you were the only... Actually, no, there was my friend Larissa Garcia, who's an awesome HR coach, um, she also asked the question, so I think that says a lot about your thinking. Everyone else went, "Oh, of course, a
0: blue paper." Hang <laughs> on, <of paper. laughs> what does that even mean? I don't, I don't know whether I was being—I think I was. I think I was being generally curious, and then there's this little moment of doubt, which is uh, probably symptomatic <laughs> of what we talk—we were talking about this sense of should I know what a blue paper is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you—you set that out, and one of. And I'm just maybe maybe if you bear with me, I'm just going to give a little bit of a sense of mm. why that paper in particular really resonated and what it's been meaning for me in terms of the conversations I've been having. Uh, I'm uh, right now we we are some six weeks. I, I think you. I think the subtitle for the paper was in March 2020. Uh, the future began. Or mm. to, I'm yeah, going to yeah, just double yeah. check because it was cool. I lo- the future I really arrived, loved that. Yeah, yeah, The future arrived. Um, and we're um, we're beyond March now. We're in May. And one of the most, uh, and we're very fortunate living here in uh, Australia. And, in fact, mm. there's a little bit of an opening up of the nation taking place as we yep. speak, uh, which... Uh, I, I suspect and hope will be done with a little caution, but who knows? Humans are humans. Who knows? Who knows what will play out? Uh, but one of the things that I think organisations are really facing into right now is, wow, uh, and, and every organisation is unique, but some of them are saying, wow, we've made more changes in this mm-hmm. six-week period than the last, some of them are saying, even six years, like well, yeah. definitely the last two or three years. It's been rapid change. A lot of that change has been fundamentally positive. And uh, the good news that I'm seeing, particularly amongst a, a lot of leaders I get to speak to, they're re- genuine in saying, I hope we don't lose this,
1: mm. which kind of goes
0: back to what you just said before, like they actually have that choice.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <Like it's, laughs> you choose
0: whether you lose it or not. You, yeah. that's, right. that's right. I'm always struck by the saying, oh, I hope, and I'm thinking, mm. well, You actually have a fair bit of influence and control right now. Uh, But one of the things they're not necessarily doing is they're not necessarily doing what I think this paper does, not just reflecting on what we did in a six-week period, but actually how's the world changed? What does this really mean? Uh, um, It's a chance to... uh, I know one of the things a lot of leaders speak to me about is their lack of... um, whether it's a lack of capability or lack of ability to practice strategy and thinking and thinking beyond the here and the now, and this is the perfect time to do that—to um, mm-hmm. be curious, to wonder, to hypothesise, to ponder—and um, that's what I love about the paper. You then sent me an email and said, "What did you think?" And I said, "Let's not let." Here's one one of my challenges. <laughs> me as a actually really strong introverted personality as well who would typically love to sit and write back to you and I went no I'm going to talk this through I'd love to talk about it so that's, um I was very excited to not have to know, read another email so that's um, <laughs> this worked out
1: well for people, so. <laughs> oh,
0: thank you thank you um and it gave me
1: the, it gave the extrovert in me something to something to you yeah, know show off so even better excellent I
0: love it I love it uh I can't help but do this I'm going to do this um and at the end we can talk about how people can get the paper and mm. Yeah, yeah. um all the things that are happening in your in your world. Uh, but I'm I reckon there's a story behind each one of them and a story that got me thinking as well. So the number one was proper flexibility and I think the word proper is the place to start there. Like mm-hmm. what are you, what are you thinking, hoping, believing, predicting when it comes to that word?
1: I think it is the breaking down of those what we have come to know as what work looks like. So where you go, how you get there, when you get there, what time you start, what time you finish. And look, there's, I've had some really interesting conversations in the last few weeks. And even at the surface level of breaking that down around, well, you know, especially with some of the restrictions you're going to have in office spaces over the next probably, maybe even six to 12 months, maybe even beyond yes. around spacing and, you know, who's a, who can be in and just the pure logistics of it. But actually going, do you have shifts? Do you have the kind of the 6 a.m. till... 1pm or 2pm kind of group who come in who want to work earlier because they've got other things in their lives that they do in the afternoon and then do you have the kind of almost the the night shift you come in at two and work through till 10 because that works best for them and actually really acknowledging that people work differently and sorry people work better and differently at different times of the day Um, I'm a big fan of Daniel Pink's book When which goes into that in a lot more detail and gives some really awesome awesome insights on that um, so the, there's that stuff at almost the surface level of, of flexibility around when how where etc but even into and Helen Palmer commented on the on the post uh, you know put on LinkedIn with the blue paper around broadening that that even more into the way things are thought about and who's involved in different stuff and, and actually just you know she just broke the the constraints even more which is what I love about about Helen and what she brings to those conversations so it's it's kind of just and I'm—I know my bias is to burn it to the ground and start again. Like that's—that's that's what I like—is that kind of the, the beginnings and the redesign. But it is breaking down and going. What do we? What do we take as a given? And what if that wasn't the case? So yeah. I think it's the, the proper fi- flexibility is it falls into that.
0: So let me uh, let me put a spotlight on that last piece. Yes. So the provocation could be as simple as. Uh, stopping right now and saying, what if? Mm. What if we were driven by things like, um, so go back to the Daniel Pink when comment, what if we were driven by when individuals are at their best or groups or teams or collaborations make best decisions Mm. or in the way they make best decisions? um, What if we could remove those biases of personality uh, and actually envisage a day where uh, the written word or mm-hmm. the thinking will be rewarded rather than the force of personality mm-hmm. um, and if you could have your way you would be tempted to create the organization from today rather mm-hmm. than try and force fit the organization we have been is that is that the ideal? Yeah.
1: I think so. I think it is a fundamental, and I think if you're you're bold enough to go there, it is a fundamental redesign of what could this look like and the the art of the possible, rather than, right, what did we have? How do we tweak it? Because that's that's your, you might get your 1% kind of incremental changes there, and maybe that's enough, maybe that's fine, but are you really going to Maximize everyone's potential, including the organization's potential, the team's potential, the, you know, the potential on the impact on society. You know, take it as, as big as you want if we just make the tweaks around the edges.
0: Yeah. And right. also around
1: the edges that we know weren't great.
0: That's right. That's right. And I mean, there's something in this that just says, like, even, even some of the terminologies we use, like terminologies like remote mm-hmm. or or virtual, um, those words I know will go really quickly and uh-huh. they should go because uh-huh. um, whether we, whatever term you want to use around some of this, but, you know, if you're talking about a distributed workforce that you get to choose the best people, the best fit people across the world and they commit to your purpose and your organisation okay. and they're at their best when they're at their best and they add value and they are... I mean, that's the exciting phase. Mm,
1: absolutely, yeah.
0: Uh, uh, and it does mean the possibility of people being, uh, and sometimes I think I'm at my peak performance for about two hours of the day. Like, yeah. Well, I think
1: like, most people are. but it, it all, right. and the problem is those peaks don't always in, like, overlap. And I think that's the challenge. That's so right. that's where, as well, we need to we need to redesign. And if you look at kind of almost the peak of these kind of things, there's a lot of um, asynchronous communication. There's a lot of that stuff that doesn't have to happen with everyone there, all at the same place, in the same place at the same time. Yes. So coming back to some of those first principles around what makes great ideas, and it's often you know, stuff like brute brainstorming is horrible. Horrible. For horrible did. It's horrible anyway as an experience generally, but <laughs> yeah. particularly horrible in uh, and in getting new and in innovative ideas about um, from of hearing from everyone. Like you say, you know, there's some, some the quieter people, some of the people with English as a second language, or whatever the you know, language you're, you're operating in. But all of those things suddenly go away when you design for everyone.
0: Yes, yes, and you design and. Maybe this is the pragmatist in me as well—the uh, ability to design for everyone at their best, and the secondary piece, design for the the problem or the opportunity itself. Mm. And and that's that was happening big time in a lot of organisations around, which always made me smile. The, the term customer centricity always made me smile because I thought what have we done <laughs> that we've actually have to actually rename the customer and all this like mm. like i think you think about millennia and it's always been a marketplace with buyers and sellers and if you can't meet the customer's needs the sellers you know the buyers need what you are not in business but we there was something about <laughs> something about where we got to mm. where we could actually we'd lost sight of it and it was about the politics or it was about the influence, or the, the, the political movings. So anyway, cut to the chase, designing based on what people need in terms of them being at their best mm-hmm. and designing for the fundamental purpose of the organisation and what what's the best way of solving this problem or what's the best way of of capitalising on this opportunity. And more often than not, it's not a Zoom meeting with sixty-five participants.
1: No,
0: um, send an email. It's no. <laughs> yeah. There's so many. There's such a myriad of different ways, but mm-hmm. it requires our discipline that says, "Okay, what are we trying to do here, and what's the best way of doing it?" Yeah,
1: and having the bra- and having the bravery to to then do it.
0: Yes, yes, and the bravery I think comes from where you started us today, which is that sense of the bravery really comes from sometimes. And I think some of what we've experienced over the last six weeks, we've gone, wow, this is this is obvious. It's obvious that um, uh, I, I even think, uh, you know, maybe slightly controversially, but I even think uh, there are some parts of my kids' schooling that might be better served by getting them exposed to the best thinkers, like um, just exposing them to the best thinkers no matter where they are, mm-hmm. and then... And then the real learning takes place in a much more experiential way, in a pragmatic way. Like, it, So we're going to see potentially teaching models at schools change. Yeah. Like some things just come down to it's obvious and we couldn't see the obvious because we were... Yep.
1: stuck
0: whatever. in the system.
1: I don't think it's too controversial to suggest that the education system needs a bit of a rethink. So I think so. I <laughs> you're so. right there.
0: That's right. I'll I I say think, even if you don't. <laughs> thank you. And I'm looking at 10.26am... Right now, if we get onto this, we we may not be off for the next two hours.
1: So
0: yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go to number two. You're number two, and I loved I loved, um some of the <laughs> some of the uh, the examples you used around this. This was learning for the modern human, and mm-hmm. the examples of and oh my goodness, this is not, this is not not being pleaded about just recently. It's been pleaded about for years now. Mm-hmm. Why do I have to? sit down, look at a curriculum online, choose my favorite workshop, try and get my boss to sign it, find out it's not being run in Melbourne, but it's being run in Brisbane, but it's not being run until three months down the track. Like there's just so many fundamental flaws with a very traditional, even corporate learning framework. Mm -hmm. Where do you see, uh, what do you hope? Maybe not where do you see, but what do you hope? because this is big too.
1: Yeah, and this is obviously coming out of 10 plus years in corporate learning and development. This is obviously one that's quite close to my heart uh, and I have a lot of hope for. My hope, first of all, is that, which I certainly saw being in learning and development during the GFC in London, you know, kind of 10 years ago or so, and what, what happened then, which I am hoping won't happen this time, is everything, it kind of swings too much to the other way and goes oh, yeah. too virtual. Everyone goes, ching mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to save some coin here. Yeah. Uh, and, and you lose so much at the same time. And what I hope will happen and what I'm starting to see maybe happening just from some initial conversations with people is it will force a more thoughtful redesign and rethink of what do we actually want learning to be? And possibly more so because of the situation, what is the role in connection or of connection in learning? Yes. Because does it have to be we bring 500 people together to celebrate, I don't know, a promotion milestone or whatever it is that you know happens in a lot of these big companies or you know, recruitment and bringing new people on and the, the in, uh, onboarding type stuff, the mass onboarding type stuff. There is a role in, there clearly is a role in human connection with that, just, yes. you know, that's just a given. Yes, but is it all at once, all at the same time, everyone together? Probably not. I think we're we're we're, we're designing for logistics, yes, rather than designing for learning in a lot of cases.
0: Uh, that's and particularly
1: big. and particularly in Australia, where you've got spread across a huge area, and yes. you don't have critical mass in certain locations, so everyone ends up compromising.
0: Wow! Yeah, I love it. I love it. So what do I love? I love even the powerful word you said really early where you said, let's be more thoughtful. Uh, and that last commentary, which I'd never, I probably have underthought, about, not underthought, is that the term? I've not thought a lot about <laughs> that- how we are logistically minded rather than learning minded. And somehow how the poor decisions get made when we start to do that. And we've always been up against it. Um, and I think this is important for I know, talking to the listeners out there that have not worked overseas or not been part of global companies. We have no scale in comparison, not even uh-huh. close, uh-huh. not even close. Um, and... Uh, the way uh, whether it's a Northern American or a European company would think about dilemmas is so fundamentally different, um, and we've got some pluses around that because a lot of we, mm-hmm. what we can offer is generally more customized. But oh, I tell absolutely. you what, <laughs> it's more customized. But at the same time, it once we get to try and scale it, it just breaks down super quickly. Mm-hmm. But but let's stick with learning because we can yeah. go into lots of different territories. <laughs> Yeah. So, tell me more about what you could picture being possible.
1: Mm. Well, one of the things I actually wrote this down on a sticky note the other day in a sort of 2 a.m. thought I think I had in the middle of the night around how do you create learning communities? And again, that's not a new idea, and everyone, you know, it might be some L&D people eye rolling at the idea of that. But so, as an example, so I've just signed up in the last few days to Seth Godin's storytelling workshop, yeah. which is through his Akimbo platform. And Whilst I was really interested in the content, what I was also really interested about was actually how they're delivering that at the level that Seth Godin operates and has as his kind of quality metric yes. in a way that is distributed, to use your kind of language from earlier, because the people in my homeroom on the group are spread all around the world, someone in Israel, someone in, a couple of people in Canada, a few Americans, a couple of Australian. Yeah, it's just, it's huge. Yes. So... I'm interested to see how do they create and already I feel part of that community just yes. through the way that it's structured, the forums, the, just the way it's flowing. And again, but the other challenge, which I think is, is very relevant in corporate learning is I've opted into that. Yes. I have not been, it was not on my curriculum. Yes. And it didn't just happen to me at a certain time of the year. And I didn't just go through the machine. So yes. I think that's the, that's a piece. But I think this, more thoughtful redesign allows for more flexibility, proper flexibility, if we, if I may, <laughs> around consumption, around who you learn with, around when you learn, uh, and around the community element. So the, yeah, the idea I was thinking about was yeah, the, the learning communities, but do you have it so that everyone helps curate that as well?
0: Yeah. So that it's not
1: just everyone being stuck together and then having to go through the motions together, but actually, there is space for them to discuss because one of the things I was, that spurred this reflection, I was thinking about conferences. I go to a few conferences yep. here, year, big ones, yep. small ones, some in the middle. And one of the things that I like about, or what I've, what I've noticed recently, is I've been going to a lot of online panels, conferences, et yes. cetera, et cetera, as, yes. as many of us have. And I've really loved it because you get the content, you can watch it whenever you want, and you can you kind know, of. Use it as you will.
0: Yes.
1: And you get a, and you get better breath. Yeah, exactly. And there's more choice. Yes. Especially as most of them are doing them for free or very cheap right now. Yes. So one of the things I was thinking was, well, I do miss meeting other people. But then when I reflected on that, I thought, but the people I always meet at conferences, it's so transactional. It's the person you sit next to in one session, you then go and speak to someone. I And it's yes. great because I like to, um, you know, I'm very extroverted. I like to just meet people for almost for the sake of meeting people sometimes. Yes. But you don't get a deep connection through it. Yes. And I think we sometimes kid ourselves that we do. Now, that's different if you go to a five-day immersive executive leadership retreat type thing, of course, but I'm thinking more of the kind of conferency type space. So how do you solve for that problem? But actually, that then solves for multiple problems because you create these little learning communities. You bring small groups together to learn together. They help curate the content. They help help they help they each other. And maybe there's almost like a mentor or a coach or a, you know, a leader or, depending if this is internal, external, whatever, that can help guide the group. Through that learning experience over a period of time that is not an intensive two days. Now go be free. You now have all the skills you ever need to be a leader. Yes, uh, but is is more and it's therefore it's more personalised. It's more tailored. It's it's got connection. It's got learning. It's got reflection built in because again that's the other thing that's missing. So there we go. Monologue over. But hopefully there was something in there that's useful. <laughs>
0: uh, um, more than useful. Uh, more than useful when I mean. The, there's two, there's two things, at least two things at play here. One is if you design from the user learning experience mm-hmm. out, like you the learner, me the learner, uh, everything you're talking about makes sense and some of the things we've been doing make no sense at all. So mm-hmm. the fact that we get to choose when, to some extent how, And even to some extent, the curation around what Mm. uh, and who we do it with. Like you almost answer all those, Mm. you know, those uh, prefix questions. The The Ws, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Mm. Ws. Um, And uh, we do, and this is, again, this has not been a recent impact. Everything is out there. (laughs) And I think one of the things you do, and I just want to acknowledge this, is you do help curate. Um, like I I appreciate, especially the work you do around uh, management books and, mm. and text, like, a, you know, I almost, because, um, uh, because again, you think about how many hours you could waste or how much money you could waste just literally typing in Google and say, what's the latest leadership book? Oh, mm. my goodness, right? So there's something about the power of cur- curation, but not just from the influencers but from a group of people you collectively want to learn with. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. One other, and I said there was two takes, I've got a slightly different take on this um, that again is in its early formation, but, uh, and and the bias for me right now is around things like people skills and leadership skills. And it is to kind of move away from the learning phase for a while and actually start just saying what would equip you with enough to give this a go? Mm. Um, like almost the, and I, I played around even with the term the good enough guide. <laughs>
1: mm, <nice.
0: laughs> yeah, let's just go with the good enough guide because uh, almost everyone has a people component to their role. Um, and when we start to talk about immersing ourselves in learning, my worry and I'm not, this is not for everyone, but my worry for a lot of people is they start to feel the need to be perfect and then they start to mm-hmm. intensify the experience of what if I get this wrong, um, what if this person cries, what if this person gets angry, mm-hmm. uh, and all of these are ploys to actually delay or avoid doing it. Okay. So um, there's something I'm playing with right now in my head and, and if anything, just scribbling. You know you scribble your little post-it notes? Mm. These are my little post-it notes that are everywhere. Like how do you go about uh, the idea of equipping people, the people that may never need to do the deep dive and for them to actually feel okay about that? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And um, because I know this comes up in some of your later comments, but authentic, genuine leadership is going to matter more than ever. So I'd much rather my boss actually tried something with me out of the goodness of their intent and their heart and got it completely mm. wrong than w- waited for them to become perfect in a way they're never going to be. Um,
1: and was terrible in the lead up to perfect as well, rather than yes. just going for to yes. get enough.
0: Yes. So there's something uh, and and I hope and I hope and I don't believe this always will come down to economics, but. There was, it's been a fascinating journey that corporates have actually actually taken on the role of educator. Um, mm. And there might be a time when they actually go, hang on, there is enough good quality talent out there for us not to have to wait to educate you. We we just want you to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, anyway, I think it's fascinating, mm. completely fascinating. Yeah. Um, and, and I will yep. just say it, call out to all those learning professionals, Um. Slightly controversial as well, maybe, but uh, if you're not ahead of the game on this, mm. because I'd almost say some of you were but way behind anyway, so get ahead of the game now because it's 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 the right, it's not only the right time, it's yep. it's, it's compelling. Right yep. now it's compelling the questions.
1: And the answer is not, just throwing your existing curriculum on Zoom.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Can you just say <laughs> could you say that one more time just so everyone hears that?
1: The answer is not just throwing your existing curriculum onto Zoom.
0: Okay. Shout out to all those consultants out there who said, ah, how amazing was I? All of my stuff that I used to do, um, I've just converted to Zoom in two weeks. And I'm sitting there going, you what? What did mm. you do? It took you two weeks? Like, what the? Yeah. Um, and I can't have pictured that was a thoughtful, well-considered, uh, deliberate...
1: Well, it's not been redesigned. It's been... Not been repurp- re-designed. It's, re- it's been repurposed.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, if um, I was with you in the room right now, we'd be... Elbow bump. Yeah, elbow yeah. elbow bump. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. Uh,
1: just one, one other there's, thing, just quickly. I think there's an absolute link between that proper flexibility because one of the biggest challenges of corporate learning is the time available and the value that is put on learning. So throwing people together and, and even if you design, redesign this beautifully curated hybrid approach, it's got a connection, it's got this, unless fundamentally we change what is valued in most organisations, which is not time, particularly time for service type organisations,
0: nothing will change. Nothing will change. Yep, yep. So you actually uh, have
1: to have one. That, that fundamental ecosystem of work has to support the learning. Yep.
0: Steph, I reckon... Um, I think we might have that, this conversation again. I that, oh, okay. that part, like it's, <laughs> like it's. Um, I always knew that you and I, you you have a diff- slightly different take, but a complimentary take. Like, um, and so I'm now just really fired up about having some of that. Com, go, going eventually beyond the conversation to what what do we do mm. as two people for what it's worth, particularly in the Australian market, who are two genuine influencers, Like I know people do listen to what we have to offer around, particularly this space, the learning and the leadership space. Um, there are seven of these. I'm yes, carry on. To,
1: I'm
0: sorry, no, no, no. <laughs> you got and, the, you, there's the
1: two best ones first, I think. The I know.
0: Well, <laughs> the third, maybe the third one though is the one you might have got most. Um, Curiosity or uh, interest in. Um, I'm going to read them all out. The third one is the death of values. Uh, fourth one is more empathy and equality. Fifth, redefined leadership. Six, redefined essential skills and and jobs, and even the uh, what we value those skills at, which is okay. so fundamental. Uh, and seven was deeper silos. How do people respond to the death of values?
1: A couple of people have actually responded specifically on that one and said that it has made them realize what matters or what doesn't matter in their organization. Now, the people who have responded specifically to me on that have been on the less positive side of that, yes. where they've realized that the only thing that the owners, managers, leaders, depending on the particular situation, uh, care about is having people in the office, the control, the power, the all of those poor, I wouldn't even say leadership, but management practices that unfortunately are fairly still quite prevalent in some places. Now, that comes from a place of fear and there is an element of empathy. You've got to extend to some of those people who just don't know what to do if they get that taken away from them.
0: Yes.
1: That said, it's pretty terrible. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, unfortunately, there are a few places realising that the, the values, so in inverted commas, were just written on the wall and didn't actually mean much. On the flip side, there are many, and we, we ran a panel yesterday, uh, last night, on resilient organisations, and there was a big conversation on, on purpose, and that we did a little poll with the people, the attendees, and, and the vast majority said that, to the answer to the question around has your purpose been strengthened, or maybe clarified even more so, that it actually needs a bit of a rewrite, but for the right reasons, because we've actually realised that this, it's, it's narrowed it down even more. And... It was over. It's a couple of people. The jury was still out. But the other than those two, the overwhelming majority said that either it had got their purpose in their organisation had got stronger, yes, or had been even more clarified.
0: Yes. So now that makes me wonder. It makes me genuinely wonder whether part of the fundamental problem with things like values and even the even the defining of purpose comes down to that idea that what is the intent mm. starts to get so lost the further we get into finding the words.
1: And I think there's, there's also the real challenge has been you don't know what it means until you need to use
0: it. Until it's tested, yeah.
1: And I think for a lot of, particularly again in Australia, a lot of companies have never or it's been a long time since they've really had to test some of that stuff to this extent.
0: Yeah, so if your um, purpose slash values slash, uh, we could keep on adding Mm -hmm. different words, and and I sometimes wonder whether that's part of the problem for people. Like it's, um, and people like, I'd like to think it's not up to the two of us, but Mm -hmm. we're part of an (laughs) industry.
1: Yeah, we're part (laughs) of an
0: industry that has sometimes fed the complexity of these things. Um, What you're saying and it's so incredibly spot-on, when confronted with the, com- the question which many organisations are facing right now, um, f- uh, once we've examined the commercial viability, our survival, then the next lens, hopefully the n- very next lens is, and does this stack up with what we're here to do and what we believe in? Mm. Um, so it's one thing to change my commercial model, um, or to make a lot of people redundant and make operational-based decisions, and it's another thing to actually say, and how does this actually ring true what we actually believe we stood for or we um, and how fundamentally um, sharp or how much power do those values and purpose actually have, yeah. And if they're not even influencing your decision, then they were a waste of time. They always yeah. were.
1: Yeah, And there's a, there's an interesting thing, isn't there, around you, know, around you mentioned about laying people off or, or whatever, and maybe, again, controversial. Having strong purpose and values doesn't necessarily mean that you don't make hard decisions, but you do them in the right way and you support those people on the way out. And you also you support the people who remain. And Adam Grant just this morning, I saw on LinkedIn, Adam Grant had put something on around, well, he was actually saying you should never make people redundant because of the impact on survivor guilt, the impact on the people who are leaving, you know, all of the rest, which I definitely see there's absolutely some some value in that. On the other side, you look at the announcement last week from Brian Chesky, the co-founder of uh, of Airbnb, in the announcement, he had to put out around 25% of the workforce being laid off. You read through it and it's, it's pretty long, but you see the transparency, the authenticity the, and also the support that they are giving those people so that they leave well.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. It, it's And and I think the, the best organisations I I'm work with or work side-by-side side with or I'm privy to uh, are actually, they've always been both. They've always been. Um, uh, economically and commercially really well run Mm. and um, had a heart and a soul Mm. and a heart and a soul that actually, um, because, and again, it's a a classic cliche, leadership's always been about choosing between right and right. So Mm. um, both of those decisions are right. Like we have to think about the commercial economic viability and the reason we actually exist, and what we stand for, what we're all about, what we believe in, um, and if your leaders right now are discounting completely the second one of those, mm-hmm. and just thinking about the commercial viability, um, it, they're going to get found out by a generation of people that go will go stuff it. What what's? Yeah. I don't have to work here. I don't want to work here. Mm. Yeah. Um, yep. There are people right now going, I don't know that I want to go back into the office. Um, yeah.
1: And a significant, like, you look at all the research that's coming out. Uh, Josh Burson last week gave a really great summary of some of the research that's been done, and it is phenomenal. Now, personally, I'm looking at some of the rules and things that are in place. Going back to an office looks in no way appealing currently. No, to
0: really. no it doesn't look appealing. So, so but even
1: in, you know, even in a normal setting, like, it still isn't, doesn't look that appealing. So. That's right.
0: That's right. And there's probably a reason why you and I are not. Yeah. <laughs> in an office day by day. Um, mm. But at, at, at the same time, your ability as an organisation, and this is not a spin, but this is mm. your ability to actually share some genuine meaning and purpose behind what you're actually here to do and how you serve communities, society, uh, an economy. Is, yeah. um, it's, it's more vital than ever. Yeah. And, and I people, think you raise a really... People are smarter than ever. They're more informed of it than ever. They see through crap. Mm-hmm. They really do. And
1: it links. You, know, you made a really good point earlier around you know, being found out because by you know that generation, and that's not. It's not a generational thing. It's maybe just the next you know, level down or whatever it is of, of emerging leaders. I was listening to one of the festival of "Dangerous Ideas" uh, where videos from over the weekend and they were actually talking much more politically and economically around for example Australia's relationship between Australia and China and Australia and the US and some of the challenges you know with that currently but one of the really good points it was really interesting I recommend watching anyway but whilst they were thinking about it at a very different level one of the points that one of the speakers made was you do not want to look back in 10 years time and go oh god what did we do
0: yeah yeah. Uh, yeah and be
1: and yeah you know, there's already you yeah, know challenges in in organizations and industries anyway it would be a shame for shame to then exist around the history and the decision making and what was what was done at this point in time
0: yeah you um you mentioned you were in London at the time of the GFC uh, the GFC had a global impact but mm. I suspect in places like London and, and New York it was even more heightened, um, mm-hmm. uh, every single one of us listening right now, we're going to remember this time mm-hmm. and the decisions we made for ourselves, yep. for our families and for those we serve and the communities we're part of. Like uh, it is, it's, it's quite um, humbling. Mm-hmm. If you think about it like that, it's quite humbling the choices you're, even if you're not super aware of them, you are yep. starting to make some choices. And you could easily just get back on the loop. Mm-hmm. And the loop, unfortunately, will get back to some sense of when I say normal, there's a normal mm-hmm. human greedy instinct and self centered instinct. And that maybe that might be a little bit longer away yep. than other um other dramatic times in the world's history but mm. it will come it will yeah. come
1: oh yeah and there's a people we
0: will forget people <laughs> do forget <laughs> and
1: this, you're actually right that this everything we do has legacy at this point well it does anyway but even more so because it will stick in people's memories uh, around who are you working with at this time what did they do what did you do what did what decisions did you make you know you're almost having this as a as a, an inflection point for you know in life in work in all sorts of things around what what happens next um and actually at the festival dangerous ideas one of the other panels i was listening to was a very thought-provoking and incredibly confronting conversation around the ethics of the crisis yes. and who seems to matter more than others and yeah you know, there's some it was again well worth uh, a watch and a listen on that and sure we can like add, add a link to this i can i can share with you but it does really make you think about society, humanity, <laughs> ethics, everything, and the and again, what we contribute to that. because We all buy into it, and as much as we might pretend we don't, or not, not like to admit we don't, but we all do.
0: So I'm I'm wondering, um, and let, let's just commit to having more of these conversations. Mm. I'm just enjoying. Yeah, we need to moments. get
1: through three, four, five, and seven, three, yeah. five, five six, and seven.
0: Yeah, and to be honest, I'm. We've I got know everywhere. I, I, yeah, I know um, that I can't help myself. I want to just do them justice. So I'm going to reframe as we kind of look to a way of closing this sort of hour together.
1: Very, very improv. Very good. Yeah, very
0: improvised. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, I think it is a question around, I suppose, what is our uh, call to action for those that are listening? What The people that typically listen. Um, and I'm so again thankful, and we've got people all over the globe listening. And my sense and read is, um, in fact, we have everything from people who run small uh, hairdressing practices. Like, It's amazing. I know there's a little group of people that uh, what um, manage little small businesses. When I say little, they're important small businesses, and they
1: are very important. It's very important. This, this is why this That's video right. can't go out because I've got I've got lockdown hair. That's right. That's exactly
0: right. <laughs> very important. Um, to people who are in large corporates who might be at the more senior levels or at the emerging levels, um, I think what we're hoping for, one of the things we're hoping for, but I'm going to invite you in in, on this Steph, as well, is to be thoughtful, um, to actually know the decisions you're about to make won't just be... um, In fact, I'll slow this down. I reckon there was a period early on where we started to realise how decisions could be made with, with a two-hour life cycle
1: mm-hmm.
0: and some of our politicians had to face into that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the good news is most of those things, unless you're working in a, a real emergency situation, we're now back into a phase where the decisions we make will have a, a longer longer lead time or a longer legacy. But yep. it's time to be thoughtful. Like, you've got the time right now. Um, And when I say the time, it's the time to at least consider. And this is where learning kicks in. This is learning. We're outside of our comfort zones. Mm -hmm. This is slightly foreign or different or very foreign and different. It's the time humans and particularly adults learn best.
1: Mm. And you're getting immediate feedback.
0: Yes. Yes. Tell me more about that. What, What does that mean for you?
1: Well, like you said, there's a two-hour. Sometimes there's a two-hour window on or life cycle or half-life or whatever on decision making. So you will see immediately the impact of the conversation you have with your team member who is at home on their own with three kids all under five who are is having to homeschool and juggle whatever it is that you've you know that they're, that they're tasked to do at work. So you will see immediately the impact of a really thoughtful, meaningful how's it going, how can we support you how can I support you conversation
0: yes. that you all, would
1: not do or you wouldn't, you might not see for longer or you might not even need to have or think to have six months ago.
0: Yeah, so think about rapid learning, mm. particularly I mentioned people skills before. There's your rapid learning with, with feedback, you know, short, Absolutely. Short, um, short cycle from delivery to uh, the feedback loop closing. That's mm-hmm. awesome. that's what we want yeah. in terms yeah. of a learning loop. Um, some of you may not even be aware that that's playing out right now, yeah Steph, what else is your um, I suppose your hope, your call to action, and then i also love to hear uh, more about what you'd like others to know about your world and mm-hmm. and uh, what people can how people can get the blue paper, all of those types of things.
1: great. Right. So my call to action would actually be very similar to yours, not to be too boring, but it would be to use this time to reflect and actually to to make some intentional action-driven thought as to what you will do next differently, better, the same, because yeah, yes. not everything has to, has to change necessarily. Yes. And, and to think about how that actually looks. So using things like the tiny habits framework or whatever it is, and even practising how am I going to say no to the things that I now know I need to say no to? Nice. How will I phrase that? What, me, what method will I use? What, when will I know that I need to say no? Yes. Because I've already, you know, there's a couple of things that regularly happened in my weeks or whatever that I, I know I don't want to do anymore. So I've already kind of planned how I'm going to do that. Now, they're quite easy type ones to, to do. It's nothing too kind of personal or not going to upset anyone too much. But I inconvenience someone slightly for a, a short period of time. But it's practicing that and knowing what it is, rather than just going, I'm going to spend more time doing blah. And then without actually really thinking about, okay, well, what does that look like every day, every week, every month, whatever the, the kind of cadence is. Yes. So that would be my thoughts. And um, If you're into a bit of journaling, for those of you out there who, who are, the prompt that I've really liked over the last few weeks, which I think I took from a Jenny Blake podcast, but I might be wrong, I might have sure. misattributed mis- this, but was how can I use this time to create more space
0: Yes, lovely, yeah.
1: I just thought that was a really great one because you can go everywhere. Yeah. So I leave without priming you too much, I will leave that one with, uh, with you to how can I use this time to create more space?
0: You might know this uh, source, but one of my um, favourite little reframes when I think about journaling is that I write to understand, not to be understood. Mm. Um, and... Uh, that is something I just invite of people even if even if your sense making or your reflections require you know even even doodling or just scribbling stuff Mm. doesn't have to be prose. just that um, or needs to be conversational for those of you who can't Mm -hmm. sitting with your own thoughts is your definition of a nightmare It can be conversational like and in a way I think you and I have just done that for each other like it's yeah, got absolutely. me thinking about different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steph, uh, people getting the blue paper, what else would you love to shout out about your world? Um, mm-hmm. And we'll make sure that I put all direct links on the actual podcast episode and on LinkedIn. Perfect. As well. Awesome. Uh, well,
1: first of all, when is this, when was this likely to go out?
0: Like, I, I'm going to do my best to get it out within 24 hours. Welcome to the new. Oh, world.
1: Perfect. Awesome. <laughs> not quite the two-hour decision-making kind of, you know, half-life. That's right. Yeah, it's well, maybe it's maybe
0: if, I was, <laughs> if I wasn't thinking of having a nap and watching some Netflix, well, I could okay, get that, it out That sounds, better. That
1: sounds better. No, exactly. so next Wednesday, so Wednesday the 20th of May, depending on when you are listening to this, we're running our final, as in speak, we're running the final one of our resilience mini-series panels and we've got a really awesome panel including an officer in charge of Mount Isa police station, um, mm-hmm. someone who was uh, spent a long time at BP doing some really challenging Work there, and also a CEO who was the acting or the interim CEO at Dreamworld during quite a difficult period a couple oh, of wow. years ago. Yeah. Wow! Yes. So talking about resilient teams and teams yes. is, is the, the kind of work that I love to do is working with teams to be better teams. Yes. So if you're interested in finding out more about that and hearing some awesome leadership stories about resilience and, and, in particular, team situation, I'm particularly interested in the in the police example because whilst we were all in business world running around going, oh, there's a crisis, yeah, you know, this is the they deal with real crises at the time. Yes, right. so, <laughs> perspective, uh, not,
0: everyone. Perspective.
1: Yeah, and not look, clearly this is a crisis, and this is you know there is a health element to it. Yes, it's a period of time, and and we'll all go back to our nice safe offices and things, or houses, or whatever it is. Whereas as they're dealing with real stuff on a on a daily basis, it will continue to. So. Yes that's that's that um but also we've got we just put heaps of stuff on linkedin as well and we're doing some really interesting work at, at in the kind of turnaround space at the moment which is a lot of our, our kind of backgrounds um of most of the team so so yeah that's where you can find more on linkedin and then speak.com and it's you can put the links it's it's hard to spell
0: <laughs> yes yes that was great i love it um thank you so much for doing this
1: thank um, you thanks for the invite
0: i'm thrilled we awesome. did this um, yeah it's good to finally um,
1: connect after just like kind of just being weird stalkers on each other's posts for the last couple of years or whatever i
0: think i think that's right there's a few people i have like that and you've just kind of prompted me to say stop stalk i I will stop stalking you and my commitment is to
1: thank
0: you um actually actually reach out to everyone and actually have a podcast conversation but maybe even next time not even have to turn on the the microphone to validate it just to have another conversation yeah that'd be good Um, yeah all right awesome thank you have a great rest of the day Thanks and you. thanks